the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you on every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. And of course, I'm joined in studio once again by our producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Well, hello. Another good evening to you, Rebecca. Yes, another good evening to you. I tell you, we have really gotten hit hard with the snow and cold this year. Absolutely. A lot of things we've been getting hit with, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It sure has been. Uh, But I have to say it's beautiful. Yes. You know, I actually really enjoy the snow. I like going outside yeah. at 10 o'clock at night and it really kind of being a white night. Yeah, I me mean, too. I mean, really nice and light, yeah. and especially on those clear evenings. Winter wonderland. Yes. I always think of Narnia. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I've been telling my girls. <laughs> um, so each and every week here on Education Nation, we emphasize that we can all agree that each and every student across America is deserving of a quality education that prepares them to succeed. But today, much of what we see across the country is a typically fragmented education, which teaches subjects disparately and in a disconnected manner. Classical education, however, integrates the curriculum into a unified whole. That is correct. In fact, math, science, history, literature, and theology, they're no longer disjointed as students learn to think in a disciplined yet objective and reasoned manner. And our two guests this evening are here to share with us that a classical education works because it has formed them into critical thinkers who, with their wealth of knowledge, can create solutions to any of the challenges that they face in their lives going forward. Mm -hmm. Well, joining us here in studio tonight are Liberty Classical Academy students Ryan Grill and Jacob Fansler. These two young men are getting closer to finishing their K-12 education, classical education curriculums. And they're here to discuss the benefits of a classical education, some unique opportunities afforded to them as a result of their schooling, and what lies ahead for them in the near future. Ryan and Jacob, thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. Yeah, Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you, Mrs. Extra. Yes, we're really excited to have you on our show, and I think our listeners are going to really enjoy hearing from you and what you have to say. So let's start with uh, talking a little bit about um, the number of years with you, Ryan. How many years have you been educated under Liberty's classical education curriculum? Yeah, so I've been here since kindergarten. I've been at Liberty. Wow. So about 13 years Wow. Now. So you're a senior, and you're going to be graduating in May. Yep. And you have lots of great opportunities in front of you. Um, you've been accepted at Georgetown and Creighton, and I, I don't know how many others you've applied to yet, but... Um, you have a lot of opportunities ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, so how would you tell our listeners 
you know, it's a little bit different for you because you haven't experienced another high school outside of Liberty. Um, Jacob, I think you experienced a different school system before you came, and we're going to get to that later. Um, but how do you think, you know, in comparing yourself to some of your friends and your sporting um, opportunities, how would you say your classrooms are different than most American high schools? Yeah, so I've had uh, friends that have gone to, like, St. Croix Prep Academy that I've played football with and mm-hmm. uh, New Life Academy. Mm-hmm. And from what I've talked to them with uh, just talking about school and the classroom setting that they have there, mm-hmm. uh, especially at St. Croix Prep, they have much bigger classes than we do. Mm-hmm. And while they do get to like have a bond with their teachers, but I mm-hmm. think that at Liberty with having only eight kids in my class, I get a better relationship with my teachers. You know, yeah. uh, Just yesterday, my science teacher, Mr. Zeman, brought in coffee for the whole class. Oh, wow. I, uh, that's just for great. Fun. And so uh, <laughs> I think that's something that you definitely miss at a bigger school. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a big thing because then you get to, with having a better relationship with the teacher, you get to have these better conversations. Right. And you get to learn better from a teacher that you respect more and that also respects you more. Right, right. Sure. That's a good point. Um, now, I will say that Liberty's classrooms, many of them are at 22, 25 um, students now. And we're having to split those into smaller groups because of what you're saying. Um, because we know how important it is for kids to get that one-on-one experience with their teacher. So um, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Talk a little bit about um, maybe what you've done recently in your history class or your English class? What are some of the books that you've read um, over the course of your high school experience? And Jacob, if you want to jump in too, you can, but let's start with Ryan. Yeah. So just recently in history, we're learning about World War I in our modern history class. Mm-hmm. And we did a World War I simulation where we were all split up into different countries and went to war against each other. Wow. Uh, I was Austria-Hungary, and sadly my side lost the war. <laughs> but... Um, it was fun to see how the different events played out as we dealt with like real historical events such as the Russian Revolution and how that affected things. Mm-hmm. And then this morning before I left, we talked about what, how the world would have been different had uh, Germany won mm-hmm. World War I. Mm-hmm. And we read an article where someone argued that the world would have been significantly better off mm-hmm. by not having World War II and avoiding the Holocaust and many other things. And mm-hmm. it was really interesting to talk about what didn't happen, but what may have happened had history been very different. And imagine how that's getting you to think, right? I mean, if you aren't asking those, if the teachers aren't asking those deep questions, um, then students aren't given the opportunity to think. Um, Most high schools, um, I would venture to argue, uh, teach history from a perspective of just teaching the facts and the content of what happened. Right. I know that's what I received in my yep. high school history <laughs> experience, and it was extremely boring. And um, I had actually one history teacher who taught classically, and it was a Russian history class. And that he brought alive. And so what I hear you saying is by the fact that you were actually against each, you, you were actually almost acting out the World War One. Yeah. the teacher was giving you the opportunity to actually let this whole piece of history come to life for you. And you're probably never going to forget some of those details of World War I because of the way he taught it. And then he took it a step further, and he had you thinking deeply about, well, what would have happened if we had won World War I? And these are the opportunities that you get in a classical education, Mark, that you just can't get in a typical education. They just don't tend to go there. Well, you're a part of the 
the facts that were established. And not only that, but you're having to consider all the aspects of all the other countries. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the academic version of risk. Right. Remember the game yeah. risk? Yeah. And that's just really neat to kind of be brought into the story and into the facts as mm-hmm. though that you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. I would enjoy that. Jacob, can you tell us a little bit about how about English? What have you? What are some of the books that you've read in English in the last couple of years? We recently finished reading *The Scarlet Letter* by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Okay, and uh, it's a book about Hester Prynne, mm-hmm. um, a very courageous woman who, after being accused of adultery and ostracized by her community, um, just comes to seek God's forgiveness mm-hmm. and just lives a happier life. Mm. But um, I have loved Mrs. Struck's English English class. She mm-hmm. has very uh, interactive projects. We write a lot of papers that are very analytical. We're allowed to take opinions on, come up with our own points. I would argue you are asked to make opinions on and support your own points, (laughs) not just allowed. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Right. uh, Uh Mrs. Druck is always telling us um, she's allowing us to have our own style of writing. And I remember when I went to a public school, the English teacher was like, no, you should rephrase this. You should say this differently. Use shorter words, things like that. Hmm. But Mrs. Struck is allowing me to embrace uh, like a different kind of language so that I can communicate more effectively. And I really, really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I like that you said that it's analytical. And this is another distinctive of a classical education is at the high school level, the kids are asked to analyze and synthesize information and then form their own opinions, and then go ahead and support those opinions with reasoned analysis. And again, that is so much deeper than where most high school, most American high schools go. And um, yet that's expected at the college level. And thus we have this disconnect between kids feeling prepared for college or not. And thankfully our uh, the classical education students from Liberty Classical Academy do feel prepared. I mean, what's nice about that, too, is that there won't be the culture shock when you are in college because you have that training and that that preparation already in place through the classical education. I know for me, having gone through public school and having parroted a lot of the facts that were basically force-fed to me as we were talking about earlier, I know for me, when I got to college, it was total culture shock. I'm like, how do I handle this? How do I get into six, seven different books that different have different aspects, and how do I uh, intermarry the, the details of all these and make sense of it? It was a learning process mm-hmm. on the fly, and it was very mm-hmm. uncomfortable for mm-hmm. me. I know that for sure. Well, and when we, when we hear college professors, they often say that students are not prepared for college. They're not prepared from a writing standpoint, from a vocabulary standpoint, from even a critical thinking standpoint, and yet a classical education addresses all of those things, yes, and prepares the kids uh, for college in that way. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, Jacob. I want to move on to you for a second now. This is a very unique scenario that you're in. This is your second full year at Liberty Classical Academy. And mm-hmm. in fact, before that, um, you were in the public school system That's in right. Wisconsin. Explain for our listeners just some of the major frustrations that you were encountering through the first nine years of public school. Okay. So what I really didn't like about public school, as Ryan said earlier, is that they had really just overwhelming class sizes. I was sitting in a classroom of 30 kids or more, and uh, another thing was that they were very technologically dependent. Every student had, like, a MacBook or an iPad, and every classroom was fitted with a touchscreen computer display, and the teacher wouldn't really do anything. All we were learning was synthesized information that was from this screen. Mm -hmm and then projected onto the ones in front of us. 
and that's where we would take our notes and do our assignments. It just wasn't engaging right. at all. Also, mm. with these overwhelming class sizes, there was a lot of cliques and like social circles. They were very exclusive. You only fit in with certain groups, and there was a lot of enmity between these groups. Right. Um, as well as uh, some, it was a very unprofessional setting. Mm-hmm. Like okay. the dress code was very lax. Um, I actually approached one of the students in one of my last days at the school, and the student um, had worn pajamas every day. And wow. he was allowed, he or she yeah. was allowed to wear pajamas? It, huh. The administration did nothing. They never batted an eye. So I approached them myself and took the initiative and said, you are learning to be a professional. This is your future. Please dress accordingly. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but Pretty direct. <laughs> I, I was. I, I mm-hmm. wanted to just get my frustrations out mm-hmm. but um some other things i just i wasn't academically challenged like yeah. at all i never had homework and um i just had a study hall to just sit there and do whatever and so i would goof mm-hmm. off on my computer and it just wasn't very productive mm-hmm. as well as um what i've come to really appreciate without realizing is the history class i had to take all world history in i think one semester so it seemed like one week we were learning the uh, history of the Mesopotamia, and the next week we were talking about the Industrial Revolution. Oh, my goodness. It was so disconnected. It's a big gap mm-hmm. there, huh? Yeah. I, I was just really unhappy with the school. And w- what the straw that broke the camel's back for me yeah. was um, uh, during Lent, I uh, said grace before my lunch, and I got looks from my peers and even some of the staff so I felt ostracized because I was practicing my faith at school. Yeah. And um, just to push it even further, when we were learning about the world religions in history class, the history teacher said, we are going to skip Christianity. What? Wow. Yeah, I was <laughs> appalled. I was just appalled. And of course, we had to learn about all the other religions. Right. We went so in-depth about what they believe. But no, we're going to skip Christianity. Did you ever ask him Why? Um, I, I, I approached him and I said, why are we skipping Christianity? And his reasoning was, it's because, uh, it's America, you know, we, we, most of us are Christian, right? Like we shouldn't have to worry about that at school. Mm. So I was just very disgruntled with Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a common thing that we see across the nation in both public and secular private schools that... Um, Christianity kind of gets set aside, assuming that, you know, well, everybody knows that one. We're not going to talk about it. But instead, then what happens is we end up with almost the, with the reverse of like you experienced where you didn't feel comfortable practicing your faith. You felt ostracized. And um, so the pendulum has swung. You know, we don't want anybody to feel ostracized for their faith, regardless of what their faith is. Um, but when we start, you know, pitting one religion against another, that's not okay. So, um, yeah, that's an unfortunate situation. I can see why you were frustrated. Yeah. And the history experience you had is pretty common, too. Um, Mm. This is a part of what we see in modern education is um, not as much emphasis on history. And it's covered quickly. It's covered disparately. And um, the kids just don't have a deep understanding then of our our background, how did Western civilization form. And those are important lessons um, for our young people to hold 
the truths of this country up. And that's they a don't big know component of are. classical mm-hmm. education, the fact where we've come from and where we're going. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. So, Ryan, as you reflect on the entirety of your classical education, um, what have been some of your key learning moments over the last 12 years, and how have these moments best prepared you for post-secondary education? So I think the most significant uh, projects and things that have happened to me in my education have been the big presentations that we've done. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I remember is the lower school speech meet that we did every year. And I think this is just such a a wonderful thing for the kids to do because it not only gives them the opportunity to memorize and present a piece, but it gives them the chance to be up in front of a crowd and Mm -hmm. be more comfortable with public speaking, which a lot of people are terrified of. Right. I think it's like the number one pub fear yeah. of adults or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, again, with the junior thesis that I did last year, I went up and presented a eight-minute-long speech that I had fully memorized about a uh, controversial uh, religious topic. Yeah. And so that was, um, that was really helpful to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell that that's definitely something that my friends at other schools haven't had the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, a lot of times they, they will have these little presentations, but it's not nearly to the same degree. And I, I don't think that it's as beneficial to them mm-hmm. as it is to me. Mm-hmm. And then um, also with the presentations is when we get to do these research papers mm-hmm. yeah. and even just the I'll say kind of everyday papers that we do mm-hmm. uh, in English class and in history when we get to make arguments I think mm-hmm. that that's a real advantage to me because mm-hmm. it gives me the chance to formulate my ideas and then be able to defend them yes uh, in front of anyone really yeah that's so important and such an important distinction yeah that's great the confidence that comes from knowing what you believe and why you believe it and being able yes. to articulate, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacob, you were touching earlier just the tipping points, the frustration you experienced in the public school system. But there was a process that was involved in your taking the initiative to seek out other educational opportunities. Um, you know, during your research, what were you specifically looking for and what were the decisive factors that really cemented your decision to finish your K-12 through education under a classical education curriculum, specifically Liberty Classical Academy? Uh, so what I was really, really looking for at first was uh, I wanted smaller class sizes. Uh, I did not want to be 9758 anymore. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's who I was. It was my lunch number. It was, it was everything. Mm-hmm. And that's all that mattered to administration. They could never get my name right. I wanted a school that was more personable with their students, um, very connected with the teachers, able to com- comfortably approach them with your problems mm-hmm. and um, just have those personal relationships that a student and teacher should have. Also, I was looking for a Christian worldview, someplace I could practice faith at school without getting any sort of dirty looks. Mm-hmm. That was big. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted something with academic distinction. And like Mrs. Hagstrom said in one of her promotional videos, there were a lot of schools in the Twin Cities that had high Christian worldview, but the academics were okay. And there were schools that were secular private schools that were really good with academics, but like, they were secular. They didn't have any sort of religious worldview. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's I found Liberty, and yeah. I thought it was yeah. amazing. I was so happy with Mrs. Hagstrom's video. She hit all the points okay. I was looking for. And um, at, when I toured the school, I thought, these people are very professional. These students wear uniforms. This is what I'm looking for. No one is wearing pajamas, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, 
<laughs> we would not allow that. No. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the little ones on pajama day for, for movie day or something. And, <laughs> and I had never even heard of a classical education before this. But then when I finally started researching and reading about what it was, I thought, this is great. Like, what if everyone had this? Mm-hmm. I think this is how education really should mm-hmm. be. Right. Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. It does work. I, I didn't even know that you had seen my video before you had come to the school. That's great. <laughs> Glad to know that that helped you make your decision. Um, Ryan, having maximized your opportunities afforded by a high-quality educational experience, you're a recipient of several scholarships, and that will go a long way in your choosing the college education of your liking. And you've already been accepted, as I said earlier, to Georgetown and in Washington, D.C. You also recently participated in a presidential scholarship um, opportunity at Creighton University. What was this experience like, and how did a classical education prepare you for such an experience? And what type of feedback did you get from um, the judge that was on the panel after your participation? Yeah, so uh, I went to Creighton University, and there they had a scholarship competition for um, the students that they saw as gifted and had more opportunity Mm-hmm. And so they invited only about 200 kids or so to go there. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And this was competing for a scholarship in addition to the money that they had already given me. Okay. And this gave me the opportunity for a full-ride scholarship, okay. which was wow, that'd yeah. be pretty nice. Yes, exactly. Um, and so when I went there, I was pretty nervous, and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to uh, get up there and speak in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. And then once I actually got into the room where there is me and about seven other students who were trying to solve a a problem. The mm-hmm. scenario that they gave us was a pharmaceutical company had raised the prices on their insulin drug and it mm-hmm. caused the uh, death of a person who needed the mm-hmm. insulin. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to work as the pharmaceutical company, the insurance company, and representatives of the deceased family to Mm -hmm. figure out how can we make this situation better for next time. And so we had to come to some problem solution. Mm. And so a big thing with that was the uh, group aspect of it. And one thing that we do a lot at Liberty is these group projects Mm -hmm. where it's it's a good chance for us to get to work together. And if we have competing ideas of what we think should be done, we can uh, work it out. Yeah. And uh, we kind of do a good good Mm -hmm. conclusion on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, I know that when you did participate in that, um, you came very well prepared. And you found that a lot of the other students hadn't even read through the material or they'd read it. They hadn't done any research. Um, And then you had to do some presenting. And what did the judge say to you or your mother after, or maybe it was both of you, after the um, whole competition was over? Yeah, so after we had presented... um, I could tell during the presentation that a lot of these kids were very nervous. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of ums, likes, and mm-hmm. just pauses, kids rushing through it. Yeah. And I could tell that me, along with one or other two kids, were a lot better off mm-hmm. at our presentation skills than the rest. Yeah. And so one of the judges who had been working with us to help prepare us before this, he came up to me and my mom, and he said to me that, you know, I think you did a really great job. I could tell you definitely stood out among mm-hmm. the other kids. Such and uh, that, that's that's a really big thing. That's not something that we see too often. Oh, that's excellent! Congratulations, Ryan. Yeah, that is just you. such an honor to be even be yeah. able to hear that. Excellent. Yeah, seeing the reward and the fruit of uh, twelve years of your academic studies—that's wonderful. Right. Yeah, right. Really is neat. Right. You know, Jacob, in in your 
just being in several years into your classical education experience, I mean, you were recently presented with an opportunity to speak at a rally in front of television cameras, albeit uh, during the National School Choice Week back in January. And you were given less than two hours Mm -hmm. to prepare for such an important moment. If you'll take our listeners just through this experience, what circumstances arose that opened the opportunity and how much credit do you give to your educational background at at Liberty in preparing you for such a special moment? Uh, So at the time of the rally, I had just returned from Washington, D.C. because I took part in the March for Life there. And that day that I had come back to school, our curriculum director, Mrs. Smith, had told me that the next day that we would be going to rally at the St. Paul Capitol building for school choice. And a classmate of mine was to give a student speech as part of the rally. But the next day came and that student was absent from school. So about five minutes before we got into the car, Mrs. Smith said, I'm going to have to ask you to do the student speech sorry that I didn't give you any time in advance, but I said, okay. So I got a piece of lined paper and my clipboard. I went through the parts of discourse, the canons of rhetoric. I established myself in ethos and the modes of persuasion. And though the speech came across like not as well as I would want, I was just a little dissatisfied. I know I can do better because Mm -hmm. I just finished my junior thesis and that was monumentally just... I was so impressed. But um, what really mattered was that I kept my composure and there wasn't a lot of verbal fillers. Mm -hmm. And I know that people, other students uh, are not as capable. And I accredit my classical education 100%. I would not have known any of the parts of discourse. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even know what the word rhetoric meant (laughs) or the modes of persuasion. Mm -hmm. So I, I was just so happy that Mm -hmm. I was prepared to give Mm -hmm. a speech like that. Yeah, that was great. You know what's neat about that, too? I mean, just the fact that it's been kind of a little bit of a cram course for you because you've only been at Liberty for two years, and the fact that it is stuck and that you were able to act on it is really, really impressive. It is, on that short notice, absolutely. You know, we are quickly running out of time. I'd like to just ask you a quick last question here, Ryan. Can you um, explain to our listeners how a classical education has prepared you to adapt to different teaching styles and to engaging different cultural worldviews from what you've experienced over the course of your education since you're going off to college soon. Yep. One of my favorite classes that I took was last year as a junior, our uh, worldview and rhetoric class. Mm -hmm. And in that class, we learned about the different worldviews with Islam, atheism, and then uh, the more like uh, postmodernism and Mm -hmm. those kind of different worldviews. Yeah. And then we also learned how to compare that to our own Christianity mm-hmm. and then it the thing that I loved about that course was that it didn't just tell you Christianity is right like this is right don't question it mm-hmm. it told us to question our belief um, and to truly try, try to find what is true yeah That's so great and um, a big concept with that was self-differentiation which is the idea of separating yourself from your beliefs mm-hmm. and so if someone is questioning your belief they're not questioning everything about you they're actually just right. trying to find truth. Yeah. So that's a good thing to do that I think a lot of people in our culture today have a have an issue with yeah. right. identifying with their beliefs. And if you question their beliefs, then you are insulting them. Exactly. Right. And that is such an important point, Ryan. And for our students to be learning that at Liberty is a way of helping them then um, demonstrate respect for other worldviews and hopefully help other people understand that same thing yeah. um, that you've been taught and realize. That's great. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we are so fortunate to have had the two of you on the show today, Jacob and Ryan. You're both shining examples of uh, Liberty Classical Academy, well-educated students, and we wish you luck in your future. And we want to invite our listeners on March 5th to Liberty Classical Academy in our Education and Society Speaker Series, where we're hosting Catherine Kirsten and a panel of two teachers that will be joining her to talk about how racial equity practices are affecting our nation's classrooms today. So we hope you'll join us, and you can find more information on libertyclassicalacademy.org's website. And we hope you'll join us again on Education Nation next week, and check out our podcast, ednationmn.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.